What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are two guys willing to let the galaxy be destroyed as long as it means finding one of our friends along the way. I'm Matt Johnson. I have some questions for Sabine. I won't get into it yet, but we got questions. And I'm Austin Terry. And the force is my ally. It's all I need. (laughs) Wow. Wow, wow, wow. On today's show, of course, we're returning to the Star Wars universe once again with Ahsoka over on Disney+. Plus. We covered the first four episodes a few weeks ago, so go check that out if you haven't already. And things have certainly picked up on the show even more. Tons of twists and turns, tons of surprises, tons of cool moments, tons of questions, as I alluded to already. And now, already... Very quick, but we only have one episode left, so we're going to talk about the episodes we haven't covered yet since there is a ton to go over, and then get into some predictions for the finale itself. Should be a fun time. So, let's get into it, Austin. Remind everyone of your thoughts on Ahsoka, your non-spoiler thoughts on the last few episodes, and are you pumped for the finale? Yeah, so when we last checked in on Ahsoka, um, I think I was the highest of the three of us. I had been really enjoying it, really enjoyed kind of like the jumping right into this world, and Uh, Jedi-centric story and kind of things being more connected to that in-between time between the sequel trilogy. So I was pretty high on the show. I will say since we last talked, I have been feeling a little bit more of like the outside looking in. Like I wish I had a lot more context for these characters. Um, And I've also kind of felt in the minority where I've been steadily underwhelmed with each episode since uh, the big Hayden Christensen comeback that they've been showing in all the commercials for the show. I still think the show's good. I'm still enjoying it, but I wasn't blown away like it seemed everybody else was uh, with the Hayden Christensen episode. I was pretty let down on the actual like arrival to the new galaxy. It didn't feel I didn't really get what I wanted to from that. Um, I've been enjoying all the character moments. I still think Rosario Dawson is great. Every every time she's on screen, I am really into the show. But whenever we focus on the other characters, I kind of feel like we're wasting time. So I've been questioning kind of the allocation of screen time, I guess you could say, in the show. Um, I'm still pumped for the finale. I can't. I hope they kind of wrap it up in a good way. But I will say I've been steadily underwhelmed to whelmed um, as we've kind of gone through these last few weeks. Yeah, I think this will be a fun conversation because I think I'm on a bit of the opposite trajectory. I was certainly higher than our resident Star Wars fan, Keith, who couldn't be here today. He'll be back soon, of course. I'm very curious what, what his thoughts are because he was the lowest on the three of us out of Ahsoka. I was kind of in the middle. Still really enjoyed it. I was much closer to your... Um, positive thoughts than I was to his. Um, but yeah, ever since episode four, we last talked, I think where maybe you've been going down and how you've been enjoying it, I think I've been going up a little bit. I'm really enjoying what I've been seeing. I'm liking the intrigue. I've been liking the focus on the story that we're getting. Um, I think more so than a lot of the live action shows. I think one of the things we talked about last time was it's nice that Dave Filoni and the team are telling what feels like a focus story. Now, I do have one issue with the focus that I'll get into in a second, but in terms of the actual story they're telling, I think they're doing a good job pacing-wise. Really liking Rosario Dawson as well. I like the whole cast. I think this is just a great cast they assembled here. I don't know. I have a lot of good things to say. I'm going to reserve a lot of it for um, spoiler territory because I have a lot I want to say. The only thing I will mention in regards to the focus, and maybe you agree, is particularly in the episode five to seven territory, I... While I was like loving what I was seeing, like a, like a visual feast and lots of intrigue and things, I was like, "Wow, wow, what, is, what does that mean?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> there were moments where I did kind of like pull back a little bit and go, "Wait, this show's called Ahsoka. This isn't called Rebels, and it's like a live action." I felt that exact thing. Yeah, I was this like, isn't I haven't like a seen live Ahsoka action. in six hours. 
Right. And it's weird because I guess technically this is a live action continuation of Rebels, but they chose to call it Ahsoka. And some people are going to be like, who cares what they call it? But I do think that is important to a degree. And maybe some of these Star Wars shows have stumbled when it came to what they've proclaimed their focus to be. I think the biggest offender is the book of Boba Fett. Uh, Two (laughs) of the chapters in that book were not about Boba Fett. He wasn't even there. So sometimes they, I guess, lean into not necessarily fan service, but just like, well, you know, Ahsoka, well, she has a lot of friends and a lot of connections, so let's make sure that story is about them. And sometimes maybe they went too much in that direction. You forget about Ahsoka sometimes. So I wish they could have done a little bit better, especially in these last few episodes of kind of bridging that gap. But I still, that being said, what we did go with the other characters, I did thoroughly enjoy. So it's not like a major complaint. It's just something to maybe be aware of, I think, as we've been getting closer to the finale. The focus on Ahsoka in particular may have gotten a little bit lost. I think her big episode was episode five, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, I think I wholeheartedly agree with that. Everything that's been happening on screen visually and action-wise has always been really cool and entertaining, but sometimes I've found myself being like, what is the point of what's happening? Because there hasn't been anything like super meaningful yet, and I've kind of been waiting for that big like aha moment, and it hasn't necessarily come for me yet. I haven't, I still don't feel like I know anything new about Ahsoka than what I did like from what we got in the Mandalorian show. So that's been a little disappointing to me. And I get that there is a whole, you know, 10 season or whatever thing of Clone Wars and Rebels that explains all these characters. But for just like a general live action person like me, they haven't done a great job of explaining these characters to me either. So I understand that this show is for the fans of those animated projects, but I wish they had done maybe a little bit more handholding for people like me coming into the show. And I think that's a fair thing to bring up because, I mean, it's like they did introduce Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka in live action for a reason. And I mean, The Mandalorian is such a huge show for them. They can't just say, well, we introduced her so that we could kind of, you know, spin that off into like a really cool continuation of Rebels. And I'm sure that was on the mind as it should be. But at the same time, it's like, if you're going to do that, then you also have to make it work for new fans. And so what you want about The Mandalorian, we've certainly said lots of negative things. I do think that intro in Mando season two Worked very well, very effective to get kind of everybody on board, whether you kind of knew anything about that character or not. And this show certainly has um, maybe stumbled in a few places in trying to find that balance. But I don't really blame them. You know, it's hard to, you know, do that, I guess. Um, But also, we can say before we get into spoiler territory that maybe we won't have that complaint very long going forward because we are finally. Maybe we can credit this show (laughs) because it finally made us go. You know what? We said it for years. We are going to do Clone Wars. We are going to do Rebels. And we've started our journey, and it's been interesting. We have started our journey. I know the three of us are all skipping the uh, Leia and Jar Jar side (laughs) stories, uh, as we all made the smart decision there. No 3PO journeys either. Um, But we are doing the condensed list. You're way further than I am, but I am trying to get that context because I, the one thing I can say great about this show, I am interested in every single one of these characters, and I do want to learn more. And I may. I may pick up a Star Wars book. We'll have to see. I might be right there with you. Yeah, we took like a condensed list of like 50 to 60 episodes of Clone Wars. I blew through those, loved it. Um, man, that last season. And I'm already in Rebels. I'm glad to be in Rebels. I feel like I'm kind of meeting these characters that we've kind of complained a little bit about. It's like, I don't know these people. I've spent a few episodes with them. I don't know them. I'm getting to know them. And you know what? It's been a wonderful greeting. So with that, Austin, uh, you kind of know our thoughts. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. You've gone... A little bit down since we last talked about Ahsoka. I think I'm a little bit higher on it since we last talked about it. So let's drop the official spoiler warning. If you are not current on Ahsoka, uh, make sure you go get current and then come on back and listen to the rest of our episode. 
It's going to be a good one. We have lots of things to break down and really eager to talk about that finale. What's it going to be? I don't know, but I can't wait. Let's get into it. And that Ezra Bridger guy, what a fucking nerd. He may be a nerd, Austin, but he's a hot nerd. (laughs) Did you get lost in his eyes? (laughs) I got lost in his beard. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory. Uh, As always, Austin, before we get into our roundtable discussion, let's do some cast crew and reception talk. All right, so Ahsoka is, of course, created by Dave Filoni, who, as we've talked about, is mainly the driving force behind Rebels, so super cool to see him carrying over into the live-action universe. And, of course, we're all happy to report once again that our boy Jon Favreau is still only producing this show, and he is not in the writer's room or in the director's chair. (laughs) The episodes we'll be discussing today were directed by Dave Filoni, Jennifer Gensinger, and Gita Vincent Battelle. The show is written by Dave Filoni, who wrote all eight episodes by himself. Once again, no Jon Favreau involved. And our score for the show is composed by Kevin Kiner, who's returning from The Clone Wars, Rebels, The Bad Batch, and Tales of the Jedi. And, of course, based on Star Wars by George Lucas and Star Wars Rebels by Dave Filoni, Simon Kinberg, and Carrie Beck. That's right. And for our cast, of course, we have Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, Ariana Greenblatt as Clone Wars-era Ahsoka, Natasha Luberdizo as Sabine Wren, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Harrison Dula, David Tennant as Hu Yang, reprising his role from Rebels, Ray Stevenson, the late great, as Balin Skull, Ivana Sakno as Shin Hadi, Diana Lee Inosanto returning as Morgan Elsbeth. Got Dave Filoni, I didn't know this, reprising his voice role of Chopper, <laughs> the droid from Rebels, oh, so that's does fun. Does he have a voice? Uh, kind of. I guess just all the sounds and all the weird noises. I was like, okay, Filoni, gotta, gotta get himself <laughs> in there, gotta get paid a bit extra. <laughs> I guess he's paying himself if he's the creator and the director and writer. I guess so. I guess so. Let's see those taxes. Um, Double dipping. <laughs> You have Amanis Fondi making hot nerds everywhere fall out of their chair uh, as Ezra Bridger, of course. Uh, Genevieve O'Reilly returning as Mon Mothma. Evan Witten as Jason Sandula. You have Anthony Daniels, who will not stop returning as C-3PO. And of course- was, That was weird. It's it like, was hey, bad. I'm that was a bad scene. I'm just going to say it. That was a bad scene. Uh, and with Hayden Christensen returning as Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. And the great Lars Mikkelsen returning as Grand Admiral Thrawn. So, Austin, any positive, any negatives? Anybody we should call out? I'm going to give two positives. Uh, the first is to de-aging technology, because Hayden Christensen opened his mouth being de-aged, and it didn't throw me off, so happy to report he did not look like Mark Hamill in The Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian. And I'll give my main like, character highlight uh, to Ray Stevenson as Balin Skull. This guy cannot stop hitting things out of the park. Every time he's on screen, I'm like, God, why did you have to die? I want a Balin Skull show. I want him in every single Star Wars project. He's the most intriguing villain. He's the most intriguing villain we've had in years in Star Wars. And I, the main reason I will be tuning into the finale next week will be to find out what he is up to because I am so interested and intrigued by this character. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. You know, will there be a proper kind of send off for that character? You know, what was the plan going forward? Was it to continue with that character? Does he? die and have that storyline resolved? Do they recast? I mean, they could do a ton of different things. I have no idea, but it is kind of an interesting predicament to be in. I mean, like, like kind of like I said in non Spoiler, I just think this is such a great cast. It's, it's honestly kind of hard to single out one, two, or even three of them. <laughs> like, Hayden Christensen, I think, is an easy one. I truly do feel like his appearances in other media outside the prequels have, no offense to George Lucas, have proved that Sometimes an actor needs a director that knows how to work with actors. George Lucas, it's 
infamously been told he does not know how to direct actors. And when you have a little bit of help on the other side of the camera, <laughs> turns out you can be pretty good. So I'm really enjoying. I, I I don't know. I just think he was great, and just like those few uh, sequences that we saw. Um, and yeah, and then I guess my other ones, you know, Lars Mikkelsen. I have not met Thrawn and Rebels yet, but I'm liking the vibe so far. Kind of living up to the kind of that threatening, looming presence they set up. But the one character that I have, of course, gotten to already because we get to meet him right away is Ezra Bridger and Rebels. Um, I'm like two seasons in right now, and I got to say, and it seems like I'm not alone. People that love Rebels and have seen all of it are saying like Amonis Fondi really is kind of capturing that vibe really well in live action. Maybe the best out of all like the characters that we've met so far kind of going from animation to live action. It seems like he didn't really skip a beat. He didn't play Ezra in Rebels, so it was cool to kind of see that character after starting my journey into the animation. So I thought he was great. But everybody's great. I mean, like we said, Rosario Dawson, I mean, everybody. It, it's really hard to call somebody out. I, I think this is a great cast. Yeah, I, of course, do not have the Rebels context. So just the introduction with Emanis Fondi as Ezra, for me, it felt a little campy, a little yeah. cheesy, and it did not really endear me right away to this character. I was kind of like, Really, this is the guy that they needed. Like a lot of his lines kind of felt a little cheesy to me. I, I thought like, like the force is my ally line. Like it's a cool line, but I thought the delivery was like so silly. I like laughed out loud. So so far, not like wowing me. But I'm glad they. Um, I'm glad to hear that he's kind of carried over that essence from the animated show. So the critical reception of the show hasn't really changed much since we last talked about. But the one thing I did want to bring up. Um, because whenever we talked about episodes one through four, some of the few negatives that we could find were about, uh, like, maybe there was a little bit of a lack of focus or the focus was put in the wrong places. Did it feel too much like other Mandoverse shows in terms of look? And it had some issues adapting characters from animation to live action. We already talked about that. But I have noticed that maybe closer to me and less so to Austin, a lot of the reviewers for episodes five through seven have been particularly high with most saying that they've been kind of the favorite episodes so far. So that could be kind of an indication that the show gets better as it goes. But at the same time, those same negatives that I already mentioned have also still seemingly kind of carry over. And I think the the focus one in particular, kind of like we already alluded to, is one that seems to be kind of becoming the main maybe negative that people have with the show. Yeah, and this is, of course, where I've felt a little bit on the outside looking in. And I'll tie this into just like our broader uh, freeform discussion to kick things off. But I've seen the overwhelming positive review for these past few episodes and everyone's loving the content and the characters and things like that. And I think the presentation and like how they've given you the information has been so cool. The way they brought the Clone Wars into live action was awesome. But the actual content of what's been happening, I've been like, really? Like, what's actually happened in the show so far? Um, so I did kind of want to start there. We do, of course, have our, our large moments with Hayden Christensen returning in the show, um, kind of getting his cap off to the Anakin Skywalker character. And then, of course, arriving to the galaxy and getting to meet Thrawn. So how did these hit for you? And is one better than the other? Or just like in general, how did you feel about these big things? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, is one better than the other? I don't know. I think they were both really awesome in different ways. I guess I would maybe lean toward the Hayden Christensen as Anakin one because there is, of course, a lot of built-in nostalgia that's hard to not kind of recognize for myself and I'm sure for a lot of people. And to see him be so much better than in some of those projects is also really cool to see. And his his story elements have a bit more of a, like an, of a clear emotional resonance as well. Whereas Thrawn, you know, they talk about him in the show. We can't have him come back. And then that amazing scene wherever all these like crazy fucked up, awesome looking, like I guess stormtroopers turn around. It looks so cool in this like 
kind of altered armor, and then they like the the parting of the seas, and this guy with his hands behind his back just walks through the crowd, and it's like, there he is. You know, that's the guy. It kind of lived up to kind of that like scary presence they were building up. So I thought both introductions were great. That's kind of what I mean. Like the presentation of that was so cool, and I was I was into it. But then the, it just kind of raised more questions for me of like, how does he have this massive fleet? This new galaxy doesn't feel that different from what we just left. Like, why did they build up that we were going to a, a new galaxy? It, couldn't we have just gone to another planet? Like, there was so much I was excited here, and the presentation of him coming out was awesome. But then the actual context behind it, I was like, well, I, I didn't really get any answers yet. Yeah, we haven't really got too much of him. We've gotten a few scenes here and there in the last few episodes, but n- not not a whole lot. And it kind of just seems like, in a way that Thrawn is seemingly always one step ahead of it, like ahead of everybody. He just assumed that this would happen. And, and like the second he sees him, it's like, all right, let's go home. It's like, okay, what's he going to do? We don't really know yet. Uh, so that's something I'm curious about for the finale. If they'll actually be able to dive into that. Will they have time? I don't know. Um, but with the Anakin stuff, I thought whenever I first watched it, and you mentioned that you were maybe just not as high on that episode as a lot of people seem to be. And I felt the same way when I watched it. I was like, really? That's what? That was the big yeah. meetup? It just feels like he didn't do much. Like yeah. He, they, she says he helped her out and everything, but I'm like, I mean, you fought him a little bit. You said you choose to live. Didn't really address the genocide that he committed. Like, I, I guess I was just hoping for more. Which I get. And I think as I thought about it and I watched certain scenes again, I felt like I liked it so much more. And uh, they they took certainly Dave Filoni both directing that episode and writing it took a more subtle approach and I think we maybe anticipated for the Anakin return and it, I mean it is like undeniably comical whenever she's like you're right Anakin I didn't know everything about you it turns out you are more powerful and dangerous than any of us could have imagined and he's like oh that's what this is about <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like we're not here to talk about that and it's a funny delivery but it is also kind of the point I think he's trying to tell her Ahsoka. You keep holding back in what you're doing. You're out there living and hiding. You took an apprentice, but you seem to not like them. You don't support them, and then you just abandon them. And that's all because you feel like you could have stopped me from doing what I did. But you couldn't. Like, that was kind of my shit to deal with. Um, so so I, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and by the end, whenever she does choose to live, it's kind of like she's saying, I will move forward. I will drop this guilt that I've been carrying in relation to you for so many years now, and I will kind of move forward. And that, you know, dovetails directly into her going after Sabine to save her. And then Anakin's like, no, there's hope for you yet. So I I think there was a lot there. And I also just, you know, got like a super, like awesome kick of like whenever he does go to Darth Vader and we're seeing what he could, Darth Vader could have been like without the armor and all, all the pain. And then he's just able to kind of like breathe, like close his eyes. And then he goes back to the light. It kind of shows like maybe in the afterlife, as like a force ghost, whatever you want to call him, he's kind of finally found maybe that balance that, you know, the chosen one was always supposed to find. So I thought that stuff was cool, but I I do hear you. I mean, it was a way different episode than I thought it would be for sure, but I ended up liking it after the fact. Yeah, I think the key there is I thought it was all cool. I just, it is still hard for me to go from we do that episode and then in the following episode, she's kind of training with this hologram and she goes, he was a great master. I'm like, well, we still have not addressed everything he did as Vader. We haven't actually had him talk about that and like kind of come to terms with that. So, and maybe that wasn't the point of that episode. I, I get it's supposed to be more Ahsoka focused, but 
how many more times are we going to get Hayden Christensen in a Star Wars project, which he's doing a lot lately, so maybe we're going to do more. But this is the first time we've seen a character interact with Anakin since Return of the Jedi. And so I was hoping for more from this scene, and it, it just kind of didn't live up to my expectations. I still think the execution of it and the writing and everything was great in the show. Just for me, it didn't really live up to what I was wanting. I hear you. And it, it is actually interesting because after episode five is when I started my Re- or my Clone Wars and Rebels journey. It's when I started the curated list of Clone Wars. And I think a lot of people probably did the same because, you know, it showed the Clone Wars in live action. I think it maybe it gave people that push to finally do it. Uh, I was one of those people. And so by the time we got to some of those later episodes where she's like, he was a good master after talking to the hologram, I was actually okay with it. But maybe that's because I had the context of their relationship in Clone Wars finally. And I think her saying that is kind of like, I think it was what Anakin was trying to teach her in episode five, just like, you couldn't have prevented this. Um, And there is that element of Anakin and Darth Vader being different people. And maybe in this world between worlds, he's kind of coming to terms with that. That's kind of what that balance looked like whenever he went to the dark side and then like closed his eyes and came back to the light. I don't know. But I think her saying he's a good master is kind of her finally acknowledging the fact that we had so many great times. I loved him so much. I couldn't stop him from falling, you know, to the dark side. I wasn't there. But that doesn't negate the fact that he made me who I am. And it kind of goes back to that episode of Tales of the Jedi that we liked, which showed him pushing her so hard and fighting the clones and like just keep getting knocked out and keep getting shot and keep getting hurt. And he kept pushing her and it kind of tied into what he was talking about in episode five is like, I'm training you to be a soldier because I need you to survive. And of course, like the beautiful irony of it is he fell to the dark side, became the most fucked up guy in the galaxy. But as her master, he directly was responsible for her surviving Order 66 because of the way that he trained her. Um, so it is really interesting. So I guess her saying a good master maybe is her finally acknowledging the good parts of it. It is still kind of comical, like you said, though. It's just because without having some of that context, we just go from the ending of episode five to she's training once with the hologram. Like, you're right. He was a good master. <laughs> but I, I see what they were doing. But I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I did like all of the training stuff um, and their conversation there because Anakin and Obi-Wan are trained to be peacekeepers. And so it's cool to have them acknowledge that we're training Je- these Jedis to be warriors. Uh, like I, that stuff I thought was fascinating. And kind of like the child soldier element of it too. It's like, we just keep seeing content that proves how fucking stupid the Jedi were and how the fact that they had no idea something like Order 66 was coming. Like they, I don't know, they deserved it. They're dumb. <laughs> Let's make child soldiers <laughs> a thing. <laughs> it's like, I did like what we got from Balin talking about his past as a Jedi, saying how he like was bought in and then he watched it crumble and he realized they were wrong and they weren't prepared. And that's why he's never kind of gone back to the light. I actually kind of found that stuff a little more interesting than um, Anakin trying to come to terms with Vader. Yeah, Balin is such an interesting character. Um, I'm really hoping, even if, again, like we kind of already alluded to, even the, even if the plan was to have Ray Stevenson, had he not you know tragically passed away, continue on in this role. You know, it it could be he was always intended just to be in this one season of television. We don't know. But I am curious to find out what the ultimate plan is, because you're right. I I love that stuff in all Star Wars media is like characters recognizing that the Jedi were infallible. They were not perfect. They made so many mistakes and they did have, you know, a large part of the responsibility of their own crumbling, their own demise. So for someone like him to witness all of that, there are going to be people, we've seen it in like the Jedi Fallen Order games too, like they weren't bad people, it's just like they got so disillusioned after the fact they were able to survive, but that doesn't mean they're going to be good for the rest of their lives because they're so 
destroyed by that, I think Balin's extra interesting because he has not gone to the dark side, at least as I think we would perceive it, kind of somewhere in the middle like we've talked about. And what does that mean? And now he's come to this galaxy. And I love that he kind of, he seems to be the only character that kind of maybe, not tricked, but kind of a surprise Thrawn a little bit. Because he's like, he's, he shows up to the galaxy seemingly to be all in. And then that great moment whenever he tells Shin to go do it, because he's like, this is kind of where we part ways. I have my own destiny of your own, you have yours. And then it just cuts to Thrawn. He's like, we're missing a mercenary. Like, where is Balin's skull? It's like, that's cool. <laughs> and then yeah. what is Balin doing? I don't know. But I really enjoyed the element of like this, I guess, planet that we're on in this new galaxy is like, they've said this is the, where the Night Sisters of Dathomir originated, kind of that magic, which is interesting. And the, But then Balin, if I, if I remember, right, he, he seemed to also allude that maybe elements of the, the Jedi and the Force maybe originated here. And it kind of made well, me He says think, there's a power calling yeah. out to him. And so I guess that's what he's going to find in the element of him, like the Jedi fall, the Empire, a.k.a. the dark side rises, the Jedi fall, the dark side rises. It's, it's a pattern. And I'm not looking to stop the pattern necessarily because it's just going to keep happening. But if I can get to this galaxy, which was always my plan, and I can find the source, maybe then I could prevent all of this pain from continuing to happen. And it made me think about the James Mangold uh, Dawn of the Jedi movie that they're making. Does that how somehow tie into this? I don't know kind of like the very first Force users, maybe, but we'll see. I think I'm kind of with you, even though I've been a bit higher on the show the last few episodes. I, I do think at the end of the day, the reveal and some of the more like the motivations and all that of what Balin's doing and what he wants and what he will ultimately find in the finale is, I think, what I'm most interested in right now. I think, at least for me, when it comes to Thrawn, and I'm loving Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn, and I'm, I'm liking Thrawn quite a bit, even though I, don't, I haven't gotten to the point in some of these animated shows where I would have met him otherwise, but I'm still liking what he's putting out. He's such a different villain. Having oh, yeah. like an actual strategist who's not going to be on the battlefield has been great. I love it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Something that we needed, I think, in this franchise. But um, I think maybe why we're both more interested in someone like Balin is I'm just getting the vibe, and we could be wrong, but I'm getting the vibe that we're going to get a lot of him and maybe some closure to certain elements in the finale. Whereas I kind of feel like with Thrawn, since he's such like an infamous Star Wars villain, um, that we're going to see him in the finale. But I kind of feel like it's just going to be a thing where maybe there's a close call between him and Ahsoka and the Rebels team. Like they're going to try like Ahsoka. The episode's going to start and Ahsoka's like, all right, Ezra, we got you back. But Thrawn, we got to go stop Thrawn because th since we were able to get here, that means Thrawn can now get out. And they're going to be like, oh, shit. And they're going to after Thrawn. I feel like it's going to be like a close call where they catch up to him. And then he's like, farewell, Ahsoka Tano. And then they just like fly back to the original galaxy, of course, to start some crazy shit. Maybe they build uh, the Imperial remnants and that turns into the First Order. Who knows? My point being, I don't think we're going to get a lot of closure with Thrawn next episode. That's kind of what I'm alluding. That's why I'm excited about the Balin stuff. I think there's been more setup to it. I think the writing's been better. And I kind of just get the impression that Thrawn's going to be saved as the main villain for the Filoni movie coming out in a few years, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just kind of the vibe I'm getting that Balin, they were more setting him up to be a part of this show, whereas Thrawn is more for the future. So I think maybe that's why we're more interested in him. Yeah. And I'm in a weird place where I've been steadily underwhelmed for the past few episodes, but I also wish we had more because I want to see what Thrawn's going to do in the show and i just don't think there's enough time to actually kind of i think we're going to see part of what his plan is but i don't think we're going to get to see him enact it in the galaxy yeah, yeah, until yeah. the movie which i'm like ah, star wars always does this where yeah. they won't give you a contained thing so 
for me, still at least interested in all these characters and villains enough to be excited for war, but definitely wish we were kind of going to get a confined story in this season. Yeah, my biggest hope is just that we get enough closure with certain storylines and characters in the next episode that we can at the end of the day go, okay, so that was what they were trying to do. Uh, that was, you know, the, the grasp of Ahsoka season one. We closed out certain things they set up, but they're leaving bits for the future. I'm fine with that. That's how storytelling works in like, you know, serialized TV. So I'm fine with that. I just hope we get enough closure. Otherwise, we're going to be like, what was the point of this? We just had to go watch this prologue to then watch the movie, which I don't want to happen. I don't think it will, but it could. So we'll see. Um, you talk about what Thrawn will do, Austin. We do know something that he loves doing, though, is um, killing space whales. And I have to say, that was one of my favorite action sequences, <laughs> that dog fight. <laughs> Whenever they just show up there and they're just flying through and like, oh, man, I was like, where was the, how did Ahsoka get this budget? Are they just using their budget better? Why do the other live action Star Wars shows besides Andor look like shit? <laughs> it's because John Favreau has to make sure a puppet can look real. <laughs> John Favreau uses half like he uses half of his budget to like you know keep his chef show alive at the same time. He's just like siphoning <laughs> <laughs> like Star Wars budget to make more chef projects. <laughs> the arrival to the new galaxy was pretty underwhelming for me. I thought there would be something drastically different in this galaxy. There's really not. Everybody still knows what the Jedis are. Everybody still, like, the Night Sisters are there. I don't know why they had to set this up being a whole new galaxy, because that part of it wasn't really important. This probably could have just been, like, a lost planet in the current galaxy. I kind of feel the same way, at least, at the very least, in terms of visual. Like, visually, it just doesn't look super interesting. Maybe that was the point. You know, I guess if we went to a new galaxy, I mean, I'm sure some planets wouldn't look totally different from anything here, like Earth or whatever. So I, I guess I get that. But it's still I guess I expected it to be maybe a little more wild. And it kind of just feels like a a very like a fieldy, like plain vibe <laughs> is this. Kind it's of also planet. kind of it's kind of weird that there's like a Jedi history here in this galaxy with the Night Sisters being there. Like, everybody knew what this planet was. It didn't feel like a new, uninhabited, unexplored place. So that's what I was going to say is, like, visually it didn't stand out at all. I did kind of think it was a little bit cool that there is this kind of surprise history here. It's like all those Night Sisters you've met, all, like, the Dathomirian people, you know, with Maul and um, other characters from Clone Wars and stuff that I guess I shouldn't mention yet. But um, their history originated here, which I, I find interesting. And same with the Force, it's like, I guess, you know, this kind of expands well beyond our knowledge. And it, it did make me wonder at a point, it's like, you know, they've so purposefully, like, not told us anything about, like, the Yoda, Yaddle, Grogu species. Is there, like, some element that, do they originate in this galaxy? Are kind of the unknown elements of the Force, do they come from here? And then somehow, via the whales or something, they got to our galaxy and it kind of created that, like, that foundation? I don't know. But I do hear what you're saying. It's like, it is a little bit odd, but I guess the reason that I didn't mind kind of the visual language of the new galaxy is because there was like this kind of cool surprise for me, at least like, oh, so there is history here. That's interesting. How does that work? And how did they kind of get to our galaxy and kind of start that? I don't know, but we'll see if they do anything with that. I don't know. Like I said, it could tie into that James Mangold movie. Could not. We'll see. Um, but one thing I did want to ask you was, uh, you know, we talked about how did Thrawn, and I guess... We talked about it in our first Ahsoka episode, like what is Thrawn up to? Is he putting an army together? How would he do that? How would he have the resources for that? And again, for like the millionth time, we have not uh, finished Rebels, so I can't speak to how that ended and how they got here. Um, but from my perspective, the only question I had for you 
was the Stormtrooper army. We know the Night Sisters and the Great Mothers are there, and we also saw that I forget how to pronounce it, Maroc, the the like that last Inquisitor um, from earlier in the season. We saw Ahsoka kill him, and he kind of exploded into the the Night Sister green magic. And I was so yeah. are we looking at maybe Thrawn was utilizing these great mothers somehow and did they create the stormtrooper army like is there anything under this armor is it all just more green magic dust i don't know well i I do know in the rebel show that thrawn and ezra got trapped on his ship and it was forced into light speed and they ended up in this new galaxy so that's why they've been kind of stranded so i think these soldiers are like the last remnants of his original army that being said I had subtitles on that the title for these characters are Night Troopers, so that would kind of tie into the Night Sisters. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of magic tied to them. I also just think it's interesting that like the Night Sisters and the Great Mothers are very interested in helping Thrawn, the ones that were already yeah. on this galaxy. Like they're totally, similarly bought in to his plan. So I guess you could also have like a sub question of what he's going to do when he gets to our galaxy. What are they going to do? I mean, are they just trying to get home to Dathomir? Are they trying to find the rest of their people? Is there more to it? I don't know. But they could be up to some uh, bad things as well. And maybe eventually they will kind of uh, turn against Thrawn. I don't know. But he'll probably be a step ahead of them. (laughs) I do have a question about how long they've been stranded here. Because when Sabine is catching Ezra up, they kind of made it seem like they'd been there the entire original trilogy. So how long has this, like, fleet just kind of been hanging out sitting here on the ship yeah i hear you because whenever they first introduced the ship the ship is coming from a different part of the planet so it's like what were they doing elsewhere on the planet we don't really know that yet and we also know that one of the reasons they couldn't take off for our galaxy right away is because there was all this like mysterious cargo that thrawn had to get um you know his soldiers to load onto uh the ship and it's like what's in there to your point is that maybe are those dead soldiers that they've been holding on to so they could, they could go to our galaxy and revive them with Night Sister magic? And then he has this crazy army. And then once he gets like maybe Imperial Remnants involved, then kind of unstoppable. I don't know. It could be as simple as that. There's just dead soldiers in there, but I don't know what that cargo is or what they're working on. Those boxes look big enough to be bodies. So my guess, too, was that it was some sort of humanoid figures. Yeah, and then in terms of how long they've been stranded, I still I feel like an idiot. I feel like I've been like doing the math on the fly every time we talk about this, and I think I'm I think I must be off. But I mean, I'm pretty sure Rebels ends like very close to a New Hope starting. I think so. Let's just assume that it does. Then I think the original trilogy spans five years. I think, and then. I think this we could say this is like maybe tenish years into that gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. I think we might have an answer for that. I'm not sure, but if that's the case, then I guess they've been stranded for somewhere over ten years, maybe closer to fifteen. I just googled how long is the gap between Rebels and Ahsoka, and I got back ten years. Yeah, and Ezra's just been hanging out with uh, his turtle friends. Are they going to acknowledge? Why Thrawn and Ezra split up? I know they were on opposite sides, but like, did they just get to this new galaxy and Ezra was like, all right, man, I know we've had our differences, but we're stranded here. Let's shake hands. Let's be buddies. And uh, I'm just going to go off and make my own path, find some turtles. And Thrawn was like, I'm going to stay here and 
have my soldiers be information every day for 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I think it's, it kind of gets goofy when you zoom out. It's like, what have they been doing this whole time? Because <laughs> yeah, honestly, Ezra was not that hard to find once they got to the planet. The <laughs> no. freaking dog sniffed him out and was able to find him. If Thrawn's like one of the smartest people in the Empire, he's not very good at finding people because they were on the same planet together and he could have easily killed him. Well, that's my thing. It, it doesn't even seem like he wants to find him. He, it, he doesn't seem to care. Whenever Sabine gets there, he's just like, yeah, yeah, here's your... Like mounts, here's some food, here's some supplies, go find Ezra, I don't give a shit. Because he just wants to get off, and I guess he knows, because they got stranded there, if he can leave on the ship, if somebody comes to him, which they did, then he can just leave and strand them all there. So I don't even know if he really is bothered by Ezra at all, which I guess well, is... Well, but also, but also if you're Ezra, and this is your greatest enemy, and you've been fighting him for so long, are you not keeping tabs on him? Because he didn't yeah. even seem like he knew what Thrawn was up to. That's fair. Yeah. On that side, I don't get it as much. And it's like, you know, I'm not... Telling you you gotta kill people, or pull like an Anakin versus Dooku thing, but like, shouldn't you have just killed him? I don't know. I mean, I don't have the context for the end of Rebels yet, but yeah. it, it is a question worth asking, and who knows if the finale is even going to touch that stuff. Anything else with Ezra Austin? I mean, is there anything... I think we've kind of covered his presence on the show so far, because it hasn't been a whole lot of content yet. I mean, is there anything in particular that you'd like to see from him specifically in the finale? Um... I mean, I guess my assumption right now, I wouldn't even call it a theory, is I do, I do think that he will play a bigger part in the future. So if somehow, whether they somehow sneak aboard Thrawn ship or they find their own way back, um, I, I, I guess I got a picture Ahsoka, Hu Yang, uh, Sabine, and Ezra all getting off safely and somehow finding their way back to our galaxy. It could be as simple as that. I mean, will Ezra have anything else to do in the finale? I don't know. What do you think? I think my only like thing I want to understand better is... What is it about Ezra, other than being a good friend, that Sabine is willing to gamble the entire lives of the galaxy on to find this guy? I, like, Because I didn't get that from this season. He seems like a nice dude, but why did you put all this effort in to try and get to him? And I love my friends, too. I'm a fan of you and Keith. Um, but the, and I just hate this dude in content. I'll say it. Like, I hate when writers like damn a character this way, if that makes sense. Like, it's so hard to root for Sabine right now. And it's not the actress's fault. And I love the character in the first half. It's just, it's clearly the writers. This is the one character that they're kind of failing in the second half. And to like a comical degree, like, you know, I get she wants to find her friend. We talked about, well, she must have a plan, right? You know, she's on this ship. She's going to get Ezra. She's somehow going to get back on the ship, go back. Who knows? She thinks Ahsoka's dead. And then she gets there and she's like, okay, so she's going to kind of play with Thrawn a little bit. Okay, good. She was able to kind of secure a means to find Ezra. So when she finds Ezra, then we come back, we, we take out Thrawn, we get out of here. Perfect. I see what Sabine's doing. I get her. I get this girl. Uh, she finds Ezra. And then for the next two episodes, she refuses to say how she got here. And I thought why. this was so stupid. And then she also refuses to say, hey, Ezra. Like all she had to say was, hey, I finally found you. I love you. I miss you. I, wa I wanted to get back to you so bad. We wanted to save you. We wanted to bring you home. But there is something really bad. We think Ahsoka's dead right now, and us getting here does mean Thrawn has the potential to get back. So you yeah, and I- that should be the first thing you say, right. not, ugh, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So it's like, you and I need to go back the way we came. I can, I can get us back there, because they're just busy, like, stalking cargo right now, and we need to Also, take my them dog out. can sniff anything and find anything, apparently. Right. That's all they had to do. And even if they died trying, at least they died trying. It's just like Sabine, it turns out, didn't have a plan. She just wanted to find Ezra. 
and then was content to live her life here with him, knowing and not telling him that they just potentially doomed the entire galaxy they left behind. And Ezra, again, we haven't seen End of Rebels, but we know that he was willing to sacrifice himself, his happiness, his home, in order to take Thrawn out and strand them elsewhere. I think he's going to be not so happy <laughs> when you say that you came here and knew that Thrawn could return because Ahsoka told you 12 times. <laughs> yeah, what was her plan? Was it just to live she out her life one. with Ezra and the Turtles? I think so, which sucks. And it's like, it's a horrible that life. That doesn't track with the character they set up in the first few episodes. And that's why yeah. I'm annoyed because I like Sabine from what I've seen so far in Rebels. I think she's great. I loved her in the first half. I think Natasha Luperdizo is still doing a great job. But she's the one character they kind of damned along the way here. I don't really know why, because like we just said, like we just wrote, like once you find Ezra, like, we have to go back to, and get Thrawn. That's all you have to do. And she is just like, I'm going to sit aboard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Shaka next to you on this turtle car. And we're just going to ride out into the sunset, <laughs> partner. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> uh, so let's, before we fully start wrapping up, let's jump back to our friend Balin. Do we have any theories on what he could potentially be searching for on this planet? Well, I think right now, I don't think he knows what he's searching for. Like anything specifically. I think he knows what he hopes to find, which is answers to what is the source of this like back and forth between uh, the Jedi, the Sith, the light side, the dark side, the Republic, the Empire, all of that. It's like there's a source to it all that we, if we find it, maybe we can prevent this from happening again. And I think it's here. I think it's in this galaxy, on this planet. I want to find it. So I think that's what it is. But I don't know. Is that like a, is that an item specifically? Is it like some force projection or hallucination? Is it like a specific place? Kind of like Grogu and Mando, whenever he went to like that specific like location, he was able to like sit and meditate and communicate with people via the force. Like what? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like a person, place or thing. <laughs> I guess person, also an option. Who the hell knows? Um, and like I've, like I've already said, I don't know if that's something that they wrap up in the finale or if that was something that they would kind of tease for the future. Truly no clue. But uh, I don't know. I mean, do you have any theories on what it might be? He says that it'll give him the power to break the cycle. So I, I feel like it's got to be some sort of object that is going to amplify his powers. The thing I'm also wondering is, could it be the source of the force in the galaxy? And maybe he's trying to destroy that. And would that destroy the force here? Would it also go to the other galaxy? Like, I don't know. But yeah, I'm very, I, I think right now I'm mostly curious what form it takes. I think it could be cool if it was like a person, not necessarily one that we're familiar with, obviously, but... It could be cool. Is it like a Yoda species <laughs> like person just like that he recognizes as like Master Yoda or something? And it turns out that's just part of the species. I don't know. Well, hear, hear me out. I, I just had an idea. Okay. What if it is potentially a key that you insert into a ship that you have to be a really good pilot to fly right. and then it takes you to find Grandpa Palpatine? I hope so. I mean, I, mean, I think we could do a whole, that's a whole movie right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, jokes aside, I have – and I, I do kind of understand what they're, what they're getting at. I have seen people say that Exegol from Rise of Skywalker could be on this galaxy, like in this galaxy. Um, and it's just like using that key was a way to kind of navigate the uh, like hyperspace or something. I thought that could be a cool idea, especially because we see Palpatine rise and he has this entire army as well. So maybe they're – Filoni and the team are trying to <laughs> like right the wrongs of some of the things in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> He's just like – taking off his cowboy hat and, like, mashing his hair. He's like, how the fuck do I address some of these crazy things they did? So, who knows? I mean, honestly, Austin, that theory isn't the craziest thing that we've said on this podcast. 
John Favreau's in the corner of the room just screaming about puppets and Yaddle and Grogu. Making and a grilled like, cheese, up, John, making a Cubano. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Toy is there for some reason. And Dave Filoni's like, I don't, want, I don't need another Cubano today, John. <laughs> I've had three. We gotta find a way to get Tamara Morrison back, too. <laughs> yeah, of course we do. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think right now, I think it would be, it would be super cool if it was like a physical person. Um, I don't know what that would look like, but that could be kind of cool. It would be nice to see him have a conversation with someone, I guess is what I'm getting at. That's what I'd like to see and maybe kind of understand the intricacies of what's going on and whether or not you can even wield this power. Um, but what about Shen? Whenever uh, she uh, kind of is like, okay, Master Balin, I'll agree with you and just, I guess, go to my death potentially and fight these people who I've already <laughs> lost to. Um, she loses again whenever she has to go up against Sabine, Ezra, and later Ahsoka at the same time. I uh, can't really blame her for that. She tried her best. Um, there is a great moment, I thought, of like facial acting whenever she's kind of there. She looks conflicted. She looks sad that her master kind of abandoned her. She does seem to react somewhat positively when Ahsoka says that she can help her. But then ultimately, kind of whenever, I guess, an, an interruption happens, she decides to kind of run and ride off. Um, I could see this being a character we don't see in the finale. Maybe we see in the future. They could kind of like save that storyline for later. But I don't know. Do, is there anything that jumped out to you? Like what could be the end game for Shin's character? Does she eventually come to the light? Because I know earlier in the season, we were kind of convinced that she was the one that seemed more bought in to the kind of the dark side. So maybe Balin would become more good and she would go bad. Also, I could see a kind of like a poetic ending where maybe she does appear in the finale. She catches up to Balin somehow. And while he's trying to find his destiny, as he says, she maybe just kills him in the process out of anger or hate or something like that. Um, and can maybe tragically does end, end up embracing the dark side, even though she was never really meant to. And clearly we've seen like conflict in her that, you know, she was just brought into this. She didn't really know the light side of the Jedi, so she doesn't really know better. So what do you think? I have two real theories and then a third thing that like popped to my mind and I have no idea why. Um, the first thing is we know Star Wars loves to have their dark characters turn to the light. So I could totally see her changing sides, joining up with Ahsoka in the finale. We also know Star Wars loves to have the apprentice fight the master. So definitely agree with you there. He, she could totally catch up to Balin, fight him, be angry, use the dark side to play into her anger, all that stuff that we see all the time. The third thing was, and I have no idea why this came to mind, but I'm wondering if they're setting her up to become Gwendolyn Christie's character in the new trilogy. Captain Phasma? Captain Phasma. I don't know why. falling in holes. She, in the first <laughs> one, she falls down a garbage chute. The second one, I think she dies when like Finn pushes her in a hole. I don't remember if she was in the third one. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a similar look there. So in terms of like young character becoming yeah. someone, I could, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess right now, I would lean towards the master versus apprentice fight. We've talked about masters and apprentices a lot in this show. It's been kind of a consistent theme um, and kind of like the, begr the begrudging relationship there and the negative impacts of it with like Anakin and Ahsoka and then how that transitioned into uh, or led into Ahsoka and Sabine. And then like the entire time we've had Balin and Shin, you could totally see her being like furious with how he's kind of handled this and like kept things from her and kind of lied to her saying like, Thrawn's gonna help us do this stuff and they get there in this galaxy where you could theoretically be stranded if you don't get out and then he's like I'm and not interested in that I'm just going after my destiny I should go after yours and go kill those people it's like well even if I win do I get to leave here probably not so <laughs> I could totally see a fight that kind of um, resembles the uh, world between worlds Anakin versus Ahsoka fight to kind of cap off the whole master and apprentice angle who wins I don't know but I think uh, we'll see 
I also think Ahsoka's now pretty much lost to Balin twice in this show, so we do need her to fight him a third time and win. So I think that could be happening in the finale too. All right, well, before we close out, I think it's uh, fun to mention that consistent Star Wars TV director Rick Famuyiwa is directing the finale uh, next week. So how much will get closed in the finale itself, like we talked about, and how much is being saved for the Filoni-directed movie coming out in a few years, which has kind of been described as, I guess, like a sort of big finale story of sorts to all the live-action shows in the Mandoverse, like maybe something like you have Thrawn as the big bad, and then you have Ahsoka the reformed Rebels team, Mando and Grogu, Boba Fett, all of like the New Republic kind of um, commanders and pilots they've shown, Mon Mothma, everybody kind of coming together to fight and destroy Thrawn once and for all. I think that's what they're setting up the movie to be, so that could be interesting. I mean, any other thoughts, Austin? I think uh, we kind of covered it all, but I'm just, I guess my the last thing I want to say about this show before we close out officially, and I already kind of mentioned it, is I just hope that the finale gives us enough closure on certain storylines and characters that we feel satisfied while still giving us like kind of hints and cliffhangers for what the movie could be. If they do that, I'm going to be super happy. I just don't want it to be all cliffhangers for what will eventually happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I also hope we get a concrete conclusion to Balin's story. And then with Thrawn, I want to be blown away by his plan. I want to be like actually scared of it. So I hope it's a good enough plan to like make me feel that. Do you think there's a possibility that Hera's son, Jason, with his fun green hair, ends up being the Jedi that kills Thrawn? <laughs> Remember whenever they set him up to have the Force and they didn't really address it? Remember when again? she brought her kid into the war zone for some reason? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. We haven't talked about Hera at all. I think that's a fault of the show. Every time they cut back to her, I'm like, let's get back to Ahsoka. <laughs> and I just am really happy her best friend C-3PO was able to bail her out of her court-martial. <laughs> That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I was like, dude, is Anthony Daniels done anything else ever? I guess, I don't know. It's starting to annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's he's casting that paycheck every chance he gets. You know what's gets. funny, Austin? Whenever I was putting the cast list together for this episode and they mentioned Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, <laughs> I totally forgot this, but they were like, on the Wikipedia, Anthony Daniels returning as C-3PO, and then they do the little description of the character itself. It's like, this is a protocol droid built by Anakin Skywalker. I was like, oh, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> I wonder if Ahsoka would have liked to have seen her dear friend C-3PO. Probably. I'm sure they're best friends. And her dear friend Jar Jar, who spends like 80 episodes of Clone Wars with her. The best episodes. That's what I've heard. Anyway, everyone, uh, before we close out here, we're going to do our Arnie's Podcast Awards, a part of our show where we take something from the TV, movie, whatever it may be that we just talked about, and we give an award for something positive, negative, or something in between. So, Austin, what gets it today? What are we going to give an award to? Yeah, I will be giving the No Ezra, You're Lying to Me award. Uh, it's when he tells Sabine that things really haven't been that bad on this planet. And I'm like, no, Ezra, you're lying to me. You're here by yourself. You're surrounded by these turtle creatures that sound like children. You probably can't eat their food. You're probably starving. You're probably malnourished. You have literally nobody else to talk to you other than Thrawn, who's surrounded by dead clone troopers. This sounds like you've had a miserable experience for the past 10 years. You have been lying to us. This was not an enjoyable experience for you. The Force is his ally. Um, Yoda lived on a swamp planet for so long. Obi-Wan lived in a sand planet and they seemed okay by the end of the day. Okay. So you can be happy while being malnourished in Star Wars. <laughs> Obi-Wan did get to have a new career, at least as a butcher. That's true. And we also know in the timeline within like the next five years, Obi-Wan has to go from looking like Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness. <laughs> so something really bad is going to happen to him. <laughs> um, 
I think my award today is going to be a totally original one, not based on yours. And it's going to be, no, Sabine, you're lying to me. And I'm giving that to, <laughs> I guess, both Sabine and Ezra because Sabine is blatantly lying to him and I, the audience member, am really sad about it. <laughs> I hope Ezra is actually mad at her in the next episode. I think he will be. There's no way he can keep up that <laughs> friendly demeanor after that. Also, Ahsoka probably should have been a little bit more upset than just giving her a weird smile when they interact for the first time. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. She might get her little lightsaber taken away. Uh, but <laughs> She's with... going to get a training saber given oh, back to her. Oh, no. Well, everybody, with that, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your podcast truly really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday with The Creator. This is actually directed by Rogue One's own Gareth Edwards, so you got a little the best fun Star, Wars, Star movie. Wars connection right there. Been hearing good things about this, Austin. People are saying this is a really good kind of new feel for a sci-fi movie. We all love sci-fi. I'm hoping this one blows us out of the water. Yeah, I'm excited. The visuals look out of this world. Uh, this has been on my list for a long time. Can't wait to see this one. And lastly, we also do want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram. Our handle is at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What do you think of Ahsoka so far? What do you hope to see in the finale? Do you remember that amazing scene in Attack of the Clones when Hayden Christensen talked about slaughtering women and children and committing genocide and nobody seemed to mind? Well, wouldn't it be nice if we actually addressed that when we saw him again? <laughs> Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody. We'll see you next Tuesday for The Creator. Hope you have a great week. Hope you've been liking Ahsoka. We'll see you then. You underestimate my power. I'm the high ground. Yeah.